Feeling okay? No, no sniffling, sneezes, no hiding in the corner? It's good. Today we will return to a hodgepodge series <laughs> through several books of the Bible. So if you're trying to follow along, we haven't been on one particular book, but we're kind of going through themes. Uh, remember starting the year, we looked at the Great Commission and how we talked about some are indeed to call to go serve the Lord overseas, but our mission field is just beyond those doors. And then when we talk about going out into the world, love is one of our greatest advantage. And it is love for Christ who teaches us how to love each other. And this may be a strange sermon today because we are talking about foods that are dedicated to idols. From the first book of Corinthians in chapter 8, if you want to be turning to that in your Bible. While it is a different context from us, it is very much applicable to our situation today. And now, let's put it into perspective. I am very thankful for that dysfunctional church at Corinth, aren't you? Because we have two beautiful letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church to teach them how to be a body of believers to teach them to have fellowship that is appropriate for the body of Christ. And now, if you think about it, this church was destined to have problems. It was filled with the wrong type of people. It was filled with a group whose culture taught them something completely different. But yet, the gospel flourished there and it took root and it grew and it great, gave us these great instructions on how to live with one another in Christ. And today we talk a little bit about knowledge, about knowing. Now, study and knowledge kind of go together. We need that in a church, don't we? We need to know the wisdom of the scripture. If we don't read it, if we don't hear it preached, if we don't study it in small groups, how is it going to come to us? Now, you may have this kind of spiritual enlightenment where an angel comes down and instructs you on all the wisdom of God. That's never happened to me. It's been a little bit harder, hasn't it? It's been through reading, through conversations, through study. As a little kid, it was through the instructions of my parents teaching me the ways of Christ, on how to live, on how to be a better person, on how to have a Christian ethics that not only affects what I do in a family, but also how I spend my money, how I treat others in a business world. It affects things. And so today we will look at chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians. Bear with me. We'll get to the, how it applies to us. But it starts this way. It says, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. It says, therefore... 
as to eating of the food offered to idols, we know that an idol is no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom all things exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through former associations with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not condemn us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat foods offered to idols? And, by, and so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes your brother stumble, I would never eat meat, least make my brother stumble. Interesting, huh? So they have knowledge, but this knowledge puffs up. What is the governor here? The governor, yet again, is love. If you do not learn anything from this Bible... The one thing that should resonate true for all of us is love. First, we must learn the love of God. It is through the convictions of our sin and through repentance and through following Christ as our Lord and Savior, we truly know what love is. And it's through this knowledge of love that while we were enemies of the cross, Christ died for us that we are saved. It is only by His grace and His mercy that we are welcomed into His kingdom to be His children, to be His heirs. But at the same time, the more we study, the more we learn, the more we hear sermons, the more we read commentaries and all these kind of things, we learn more and more. And so let's put it in perspective. This Gentile church these who came from Gentile backgrounds, who worshipped multiple gods in this form of polytheism. They were different. And some of them first came because it offered some bit of simplicity. I don't know what attracted all of them to the gospel, but they had a conviction. They had the Spirit working in their lives, and they became Christians. They became followers of the way of Jesus Christ and they learned his love for them his mercy that they had they had received and so as they learn I'm kinda of thinking of this in terms of say a lawyer or maybe a tax accountants you know these guys who try to work a system do you know any of these people they make good money we got 
lawyer down here on front. She's kind of grinning a little bit. But we have systems of laws. We have systems of taxes. And if you know how to navigate them, you can either earn money or save money or these kind of things. There's loopholes everywhere. I mean, that is some of the biggest political campaigns when we're talking about taxes is either getting rid of loopholes, adding more loop. You know, I don't know how you do it, but it's very complicated. Don't come to me for advice on your taxes. I'm not the one to do that, but there are people who can. But that same mindset, some of these people in Corinth were using for the scriptures. Because let's, let's think about it this way. If you go out shopping, we go to a grocery store, we travel Lubbock, we travel Plainview, we get it locally, we grow it in our backyard, we have access to groceries. We can get all kinds of meats, all kinds of vegetables, all this kind of stuff. It's not very hard. Now, in this context, when the whole culture was based on these religious deities, and we had temples on every corner, and we had systems of religion of all kinds of things, you had festivals, you had parties, you had all kind of get-togethers. So your culture was inundating with these different types of gods. Now, if you had sacrifices at every temple, you had to kill the animals. And this became meat. This became what you could buy. So it got complicated for this church. They realized that once they believed in Christ and they no longer worshipped these idols, going to get their meat or their vegetables, or whatever it was, was a little more difficult. Because they went to a lot of parties in the temples, and the temples where they had big feasts and barbecues, they probably had brisket. I hope they had brisket. That would have been a good thing to have. But they could get meat everywhere, because it was a part of either a festival, a dedication. It was sold in the market this way. But now something happened. They became followers of Jesus. There wasn't a place where you could go get Christian okay meats. The culture hadn't accepted this yet. They became outsiders in their very presence because they were different. They changed their attitude about these things. Well, those who had finally put two and two together, who had had learned the system and they said, you know, if Jesus Christ is Lord, we believe that all these other idols don't truly exist. That he is the creator of all things, for all things, and through all things exist. So what they do to sacrifice these meats to these gods doesn't really matter, does it? They found the loophole. But loopholes can hurt people. And that's what was happening. Now, did you notice Paul really agrees with them? He didn't say you couldn't eat these meats. He said, be careful. It's all therefore. He said, he goes through there. Look, therefore, verse four, as you were eating of this food offered to idols, we know that an idol is no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be these so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist. And the one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. He said, you're right. It doesn't matter what other people do to their meats. If they they sacrifice it in a temple and then sell it, you can get a bargain on this temple meat. So it doesn't matter. We know there's no other gods in existence, only one God. But then he points it out. Did you catch it? He said, indeed, there are many gods and many lords. 
How is that if we only have one true God, one true Lord, who is Jesus? Our gods are what we make them. In this day, you had different gods that you could make, different choices that you could have. You didn't have to limit yourself. If you were a farmer, you could go pay a little price to the fertility god to make your, your crops grow. If you're trying to have a baby, you'd go to a different one to, to bless the union, these kind of things, so you'd have a, a child. There's all these different ways that you could worship, and there's different gods. They were part of their very culture. If you just like going to parties, you could be religious and go to parties all the time here. And so these people who believed in these other gods, who worship these other gods, they were truly gods to them because that was their faith system. They gave their money, their resources to these temples so that they may thrive. They paid their homage to their empress so that they may thrive as our leaders. They did all these things because that was their faith system. You know, there was probably just like in our church, you had some more religious than others. You had some that would just show up on the big festivals like Christmas and Easter and, and give whatever they needed to. And then you had some that were there every week, twice a week, three times a week, some maybe every day. They were involved. And their faith system had given them their own gods, little g. Make sure you have the little g there. It's not a capital one. Their own lords. And we do that today in our society. We may not call them gods. We may call them something else. It could be our work. Has work become a God for you? You're like, I hope not. But start taking an account of what you do in a given week, in a given month, in a given year. If work controls who you are on a very basic level, it has become your God. It is what you worship. It is what you cherish. It is where you find your value and your worth. Has sports become your idol? Does it trump all? Do you forsake your studies of the scripture, of gathering together with other believers because sports has become your idol? Now I pointed out in our children's message about football, but if you think about it, we do treat it almost as a kind of religion in our society. There's kind of that pregame. You know, the gathering of the people around the tailgates where you're getting yourself ready for the event. That's how we should do it as Christians. We should gather before our worship services to pray and ask for the guidance. We hope our pastors study their lesson so that they have something to share with us. That's why we give them a salary so that they can spend time during the week not earning a living, but paying attention to the things of God. And then there is a procession. Two boring teams come in from the locker rooms with music and fanfare and cheers. Music teaches us things. It is a very much a part of our worship system because the music leaves with us. It goes with us. We may not remember the words of a sermon but if it was a good song sung, it will stay in our minds 
all week long. Then there is a game, and there is battle, and there is a victor. And we do that every week, don't we? We celebrate a victor, Jesus Christ, because he has conquered death. And there's a procession where we all go back to our places of business. And you see those, and you probably own them. I know I do. You have jerseys, T-shirts with your favorite team, the ones that you support. We take those badges, those crosses with us into the world so other people will know who we stand for, who we stand with, who is our victor. And if we're not careful, our culture will trick us because the devil is on the loose and he is looking for any kind of foothold to get into our lives. So we have to ask, has work become our God? Has sports become our God? What about those good things? Social organization like Rotary, Lions Club, are we spending all our time there to uplift our communities, to make a better world for everyone else? They too can become our gods. These causes that are so important to us, they can rule our lives. It's good to have some of those, but we have to be careful. There is always a balance in everything. Politics, that's a big one today. Whether you're on the right or left, it can become the only thing. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the food that has been offered to the idol in our own lives? We say, there's no such thing as idol, so we can partake of anything. But then Paul says, however, not all of us possess this knowledge, but some through form associations with idols eat the food as if really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not condemn us to God. Our work will not condemn us to God. Now there are some occupations that you need to quit because they are against the ethics of Christ. But work in reality is good. It was created for man. In the garden, when all things were good, before the corruption of sin came back, man was placed there to work and till the soil. Work is good. But without a proper perspective, work can become our idol. The same with sports. Sports teaches us community, camaraderie, ethics. But it too can become our God. Political causes action groups. They are good for humanity, but they too can become our gods. And especially they can become a bad influence on others. It says, for those being weak, what you do will corrupt them. So if you know it's okay for you, if you have justified it through your knowledge and you are sure of yourself, Oh, I can do that. I have the right to do that. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard someone say, I have the right to this? What are some of the rights people have today that they will fight for, that they will hurt others to protect? Paul agrees with them. 
He says, you have the right. But, but just because you have the right, should you exercise it? It's a stumbling block theory. It says, you may grow up in a church that said dancing was a sin, that drinking alcohol was a sin. And you may have become enlightened as you grew through adulthood. That you can read the Bible and says, well, Jesus even turned water into wine. A little alcohol is okay, right? You have that right. But exercising that right, is it good? Does it uplift? Does it help a brother or sister? They said, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, he says. Reminder, the brother whom Christ died for is what you're doing hurting someone else who Christ died for, who Christ would give up his life on a cross, be tortured. Is it worth it? And then he ends with probably the most scariest words, a call to be a vegetarian. I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So put things in perspective, put things in balance. Knowledge gives us rights. It gives us actions, but it puffs us up. It makes us our own God. Knowledge is good, but it can be taken the wrong way. The principle of love is what builds up. We may know things more than our weaker brothers and sisters. We may have a better understanding of the scriptures. But as we teach others, we have to be governed by love because they come from a culture that will teach them something else. Just like these Corinthians, they came from a culture that was different, that had different values, and they had to learn. And someone who looked at the scriptures and the lessons that Paul had taught and brought found some loopholes. He said, this is going to be easier than we thought, guys. It doesn't matter if we go to the, the temples and, and hang out with our buddies like we always have. Because we know that what they're doing is really nothing at all. It makes us have our old life back while we are celebrating our new life in Christ. But doing that, Paul says, you're destroying your witness. Because for those who believe in that God that you are celebrating at that festival. They will fall away. Their conscience will tell them that what they are doing is actually celebrating that deity. And you are the example that they are following. He said, let love build them up. He says, if you have to avoid all the meat altogether. Evaluate the things that you do. See if they have become your idol today. Some of these things we may just have to give up. 
we may have to quit them altogether or we may have to adjust how we approach life and others. For we are called to love one another. Love our enemies. Pray for our enemies if you were in Sunday school this morning. But keep in mind all those outside of yourself who Christ died for. Let that be our encouragement for this week. As we decide how to live our lives in fellowship with one another, it is through love that we learn how to thrive. Knowledge will teach us the truths, but they can lead to a puffed up status if not balanced by love. So go from here today, study the scriptures, join others in a small group, discuss them. But when you come to a disagreement on a particular thing, that you may have all surpassing knowledge in the situation, remember that love builds up your relationship. Christ is the one who guides the thoughts and minds. Pray that the Holy Spirit be felt in that union. And maybe it's something you need to give up for now out of love. But as that partner, as that friend, as that loved one grows, help them grow in the knowledge that you can be together. Join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today. We are thankful for your message. Lord, challenge us. Challenges us as we leave here today that our knowledge about you doesn't corrupt, doesn't get in the way of your love for us. For as we love you, we are known by you. And we truly show that we are known by you, by our love for others. As Christ died for us, though an enemy, we learn what true love is. Give us the strength that we may love others as we ought. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if you have felt the Holy Spirit call on you to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come forward. If you decided that First Baptist Church should be your home church and you're ready to move your membership, please come forward. Or if you're in need of prayer, come forward at this time. Please stand as we sing the invitation.